Let's go, Fuse! Great to be here tonight with you. Uh, great. To, let's, Anderson, can, let's help me welcome uh, Myrtle Beach. Help me welcome Columbia. Help me welcome Greenville. Let's welcome our Fuse family across the state. So good to be with you tonight. Uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name's Finn. I am from England. I am not from Australia. Nothing wrong with being from Australia. Just not from Australia. I'm from England. <laughs> Uh, and tonight we're going to dive into uh, another week of our purpose series. And we've been talking over the last few weeks here at Fuse about God's purpose for your life. What is your purpose? How can you discover your purpose? Um, what are you here for? We're trying to answer that question, the, the question that every generation has. And the question that every single person in this room, whether you uh, asked it before the series or whether you're asking it now because I've just said it, uh, every person has this kind of search and desire for their purpose. They want to know what their purpose is. They want to know uh, why God made them. They want to discover what that is, and then they want to do it. They want to go after it. And so we're going to talk tonight about purpose, and we're going to talk tonight uh, about what Jesus has to say about your purpose, about what Jesus has to say about your purpose, because really, uh, God gets to define our purpose because he's our creator. So if I... Um, struggling to think of an analogy here because I'm not very good with really at making anything. Like, people here are very good at making stuff. My wife is brilliant at, like, she does, uh, like, she's got this uh, wall with all these photo frames on, and she, like, makes rainbows, and at Danny Joy Designs on Instagram if you want to go and buy some, and there's just all this stuff. I'm just not very good at making stuff, but God is our creator, and because God's our creator, God gets to define what our purpose is. And here's the thing, we're going to get around tonight, that your purpose isn't necessarily what you thought it is that you were actually made for love. You were made for love. And there's been this kind of thread that God's been doing even through the songs we've been singing and the ways that we've been talking tonight here in, here in Anderson and across the state about you were made for love. You were made for God's love. You were made to experience it. You were made to know it. You were made to be transformed by it. And we're going to dive into that tonight. So everyone with me? Great. There was a, a little bit of a beat. Let's try again. Everyone with me? Great, fantastic. Okay, so we're going to jump into some scripture first of all. Let's throw up Mark uh, chapter 12. If you've got a Bible or a phone, you can head there right now. Mark chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 28, uh, and I'm going to read this for us. This is uh, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. Lots of people are coming to talk to him and asking questions. This is one of them. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And mm, Yes, and seeing that he answered them well, he means he liked Jesus' answers, he asked him, him being Jesus, which commandment is the most important commandment of all? Jesus answered, the most important is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher, which is a bold thing to say to Jesus, like Jesus is God, and so you've asked Jesus a question, you've asked God a question, God's given you an answer, and this scribe is bold enough to just say, yeah, that's, that sounds about right. You truly have said he is one and there's no other besides him, and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of heaven. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. So there's this, there's this encounter that Jesus has with this scribe, this person who's trying to trip him up. 
He's trying to get him to uh, say something wrong. He's expecting Jesus to say something wrong, and he's going to try and prove that Jesus isn't who he says he is. But Jesus answers, and he actually answers with something from the Old Testament. Now, how many of you were here when we did that series where we worked through the whole Bible and the, the big story of God and what that was and all that sort of stuff? We put so much content into that series. Uh, but it really, it's really cool to see that Jesus reaches back into the Old Testament and quotes something. And he quotes something from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where Moses, who was a prophet in Israel, anyone seen Prince of Egypt? Um, okay, a few of you. Um, you should all go home and watch it, but not now. Um, Jesus reaches back into Deuteronomy, quotes this thing called the Shema. Now, everyone say Shema with me. Shema. Myrtle Beach, say Shema. Interesting that it happened. Columbia, say Shema. Greenville, say Shema. Say it one more time with me and Anderson. Shema. 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 Shema is a daily prayer from Deuteronomy 6. It refers to a couple of lines from the book of Deuteronomy that become a daily prayer for the Israelites. So the people of God, the Israelites, they start to have this thing, kind of like the Christian version of the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father in heaven, which you... Okay, so the, pause, time out. This is not a thing in the UK, but it's very strange to me. How many of you play sports in high school? Right, most, maybe. How many of you say the Lord's Prayer before you're going to play any sort of game? Very odd thing. Very, like, I love America. I love all of you very deeply. I love all of you. But that's a very strange thing to do. Very strange. So this would be like you guys huddling up maybe um, just before a football game, taking an E and going, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. A very strange thing to say before sports games. Normally it's like you'd be, want to say, you'd be wanting to say to someone in our team, you keep throwing the ball badly, throw it better. But instead, you've decided to go, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's just a weird thing. Can anyone just acknowledge that's a weird thing with me? So Jesus is quoting what would be for the Jews that version of that prayer, this prayer that has invaded their culture, this prayer that's everywhere, this prayer that is popping up all over the place. And he's quoting that for a reason. The Shema means to hear. So that Jews pray in the morning and the evening. And by quoting this, Jesus is doing something. He's rooting his answer in the unchanging purpose of God. He's rooting his answer. What's the most important thing, Jesus? What do, you, what do you want me to do? And Jesus replies, it's the same thing that I've always wanted. It's the thing that I told Moses. It's the thing that God's always wanted, which is for people to love him and for them to experience his love and for them to be transformed by who he is. And so Jesus doesn't say, well, I've got a new idea, we've got a new thing, this is what it's going to be. He actually says, it's the thing that I've always been after. It's the thing that me and my father have always wanted for you. It's that you would know who I am and you would be transformed by my love. And that your family would be transformed by my love. And you would teach these, this love to your children and your children's children. And you would set up whole communities and ideas around this love. So Jesus himself defines life in his kingdom. And we've talked a lot about kingdom across views. Kingdom means the, the, the place where God rules and reigns, and that's not some place that we go to when we die. That means right here, right now. That means the, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is the sphere that you're in, the places that you go because you carry who the Holy Spirit is with you. And Jesus defines life in this kingdom as a life of love. Jesus defines life in the kingdom as a life of love. Now, we've got to be really careful here because what can happen with this is that we, we adjust something tiny 
and it sets us on a course that's not going to help us and not going to lead us closer to God. Because God is love. God is love. He reveals himself to be a God of love. But love isn't God. God is love, but love isn't God. And so culture right now will tell you that anything uh, sort of that restricts you, anything that uh, doesn't make you happy, couldn't be love. That you can just choose who you are, and you can choose what you want to be, and you can choose what you want to do, and, and you get to decide that. And anyone that tells you otherwise isn't loving you, and because love is the most important thing, then, then, uh, then that's, the, that's the kind of trump card. But God has a different definition of love. And because God is love, God gets to define what love looks like. And so we're going to explore that for the rest of our time here today. We're going to walk through what it means to actually love God, how that love for God produces love for him, and then how that love helps us love our neighbor. So three things about God's love. Say three things. Three things. We've got 11 minutes. We can make it. Number one, God loves us first. This is the thing. This is the start. This is the place we must begin. Because if we don't begin with God's love, we'll feel like God's a narcissist. We'll feel like God's constantly demanding something of us that's unfair to ask. It's kind of weird if God just says, you have to love me, but I don't love you in return. But the Bible tells us, and the person of Jesus tells us that God loves us. God loves you. And we say that a lot in church. We say that a lot in Fuse. You hear Christians and pastors say that. But I want us to just get a fresh revelation and hopefully God will bring this to us tonight. That God's love for us is the thing that transforms us, is the thing that renews us, is the thing that can set us free. That when you realize that God loves you, it sets you up for a totally different way of being a human being. It sets you up for a totally different life because people's love feels conditional. People's love feels fickle. People's love can change. There are people that love you right now that you might not be friends with and might not love. There are people right now in your life that you, uh, when you were 11 or 12, or maybe you may be that age now, but, like, but, but when you were younger, you were saying, oh, we're going to be friends forever, and I love you, and we'll never stop loving each other, and they're nowhere in your life right now. So people's love changes, but God's love doesn't. And because God's love doesn't change, it's the most trustworthy, most real, most powerful force in the universe. And it can transform your life. And it can set you apart from your generation that doesn't know how to receive love, that doesn't know how to give love, that is struggling and bound up in so many things and looking for love. But I'm telling you tonight, Fuse, if you can get an understanding, and if God himself would open your eyes for you to know his love, it will radically change how you live. It will be the firmest place for you to build your life. It will be the safest place for you to bring your hurt. It will be the realest thing that you can experience. And so to, I just want to jump into some verses that tell us a little bit about God's love. I don't have them on the screen. I'm going to read them to you. This is 1 John uh, chapter 2. Little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we will have confidence and not shrink from him at shame of his coming. If you know that he's righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. This is what I'm calling us tonight for you too. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we would be called children of God. See what kind of love, if I can speak that into your spirit right now, I would see what kind of love the Father's given you. 
that you would be called the child of God. You in your messed up state. You not really knowing who you are yet. You still struggling with things. You kind of wanting to follow God, but finding yourself drawn back into things. You who, uh, who was hurt, who was abused. You who has pain and trauma that you've told no one about. See what kind of love the Father gives you, that you would be called the child of God. That's the promise of the gospel. And if you ever doubt, listen to me, if you ever doubt that God loves you, I beg you, look at the cross. God sent his son for you. He loves you unconditionally, without thought, without changing his mind. Jesus Christ died for you. So you could receive God's love. You could be called his child. And when this thing clicks in your mind, and when this thing clicks in your heart, it will produce love for God. God's love for us will produce love for him. God doesn't just simply say, I command you to love me. But God comes first and says, I love you. And the best life you have is the one where you choose to start to love me. And I'll keep throwing love at you until little sparks become raging fires of love for God. And you won't want to stop loving me. And you'll find that I'm loving you back. And then I'm singing over and over again, I love you, I never grow old. And you hear God saying that back to you. And you're just, they're in this exchange of love between you and God. What happens, though, if you don't feel love for God? What happens? Are you being disobedient? Because it's a commandment, right? So if God's commanding it and you don't feel love, maybe I'm in sin. And I want to set you free tonight. Anything God requires of you, he will enable you to do. Anything God requires of you, anything God commands you of, he will supply the power and the grace and the ability to do it. Why? Because his whole intention is that you know him and love him. And so if God commands you to step away from that relationship, he will give you the power to do it and he will provide the comfort and the healing. If God commands you to stop doing something and start doing something else, he will give you the power of the Holy Spirit that will enable you to be able to do that. And so if God asks you tonight, Fuse family, love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, he will give you the grace and the power to recognize his love for you that will just produce love for him. And this is when the Christian life stops being something that you're striving after and starts just feeling incredible because you find that the love that you absolutely really crave is met in God. You find that the questions of your heart, the questions about who you are, the questions about what your purpose is, the question is about why you exist and why you are the way you are, finds its answer in God's love for you. And that will cause you, I promise you, that will cause you to love him back. And you'll find that the more you love him, the more love you're experiencing from him. And then the more love you give him back, the more love it's coming. And it's just this relationship of love. Five minutes. Golly. You with me so far? Here's, here's, the, here's the bit that really changes things now. So loving God and being loved by him empowers us to love other people. When you get caught up in this love for God and you find him loving you back, you suddenly become empowered to love other people. You become empowered to love the people around you. You become empowered to love those who uh, are in your life. There are people in this room that I absolutely love. I absolutely love. My, my wife's here. My closest friends are in here. Um, across the state, Fuse family, I love so many of you. And God empowers that because some of you are very difficult to love sometimes, and I'm very difficult to love sometimes. 
And God wants to give you the grace and the power to express love, not just to the people that it's easy to love, but actually to the people it's not so easy to love. And that's hard because it's easy to love people that love you, right? Someone give me a nod behind the mask, even if just a sympathy nod. Great, thank you. It's easy to love people who love you. It's easy to love people who give you stuff. It's easy to love people who say nice things about you. It's easy to love people when they're being nice to you. But the kind of love that Jesus gives and the kind of love that God empowers is the kind of love where you can love someone who's hurt you. It's the kind of love where you can love someone who's wronged you. It's the kind of love that can put forgiveness in your heart. It's the kind of love that can set you free. It's the kind of love that would help you love people that just feel unlovable and maybe even unlikable. And Jesus, as I was praying and getting ready for tonight and, and thinking there were just, I was struck by um, that under the sound of my voice right now, there are people who've been abused. There are people who have been uh, wronged. You've had things done to you. There are people under the sound of my voice, and I, and I felt this particularly earlier. There's a, a young lady who's listening to this right now, and you were betrayed. You were sexually assaulted by someone who was close to you, and it feels like your ability to love has been robbed from you. And I want to tell you tonight that God's love can not only fix that thing that feels impossible to love others or receive love ever again, but God's love can set you free to be able to forgive, to be able to step into a life away from bitterness. God's on your side, wants to heal you. God's love is for you. And when you realize God loves you, you start to love God, you will be set free to love other people. So across every campus and maybe here as well in Anderson, I'd love you just to invite you to stand. In a sec, I'm going to pray and then a local Fuse pastor is going to come out across every location. Uh, we're going to go to groups in a second. But tonight God wants to deposit his love in your hearts. And so where you are, I just want you to take your attention out from what I'm saying. I've thrown a lot of content at you, but I want you to turn your mind and your heart inwards. And I want you to imagine your heart just opening up before God. If it helps you to close your eyes, if it helps you to hold out your hands, you, you take a posture that feels most appropriate to help you do that. But at every campus right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would deposit in this family love. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. That is what you are, Fuse. And so Holy Spirit, tonight, would you bring a fresh awareness of love. God, for young women, young women and young men and old women and old men, under the sound of my voice, I pray that your love would begin to warm hearts right now. God, for those of us who feel like we cannot give and receive love, that something's broken within us, God, make us whole. God, we give and we open up that brokenness to you right now. 
God, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit and because of the love of Jesus and because you're a Father who's given love to us, I pray that you would begin to heal, you would begin to soften, and you begin to restore every heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Fuse. I'm handing over to a local pastor right now on your campus. But just here in Anderson, I want us just to stay in this posture of prayer just for one moment. I want you to bring to mind, I believe there's some of us in here specifically who have unforgiveness towards people. And what unforgiveness does is it robs us of our ability to give and receive love because we're starting to operate from a tally chart of who's done good to us and who's done bad to us. And we start looking over our shoulder and comparing ourselves to other people. And God tonight wants to bring a clarity to your mind and a steadiness in your heart that his love defines you and his love sets you free. So I'm going to pray for us one more time here and then I'm going to pass over to Austin. He's going to tell us what we need to do next. But Holy Spirit tonight in this room for this Anderson Fuse family, God, we bring, if there's people, uh, there's people that you need to forgive, people that you know you struggle to love, I want you to bring them to your mind right now. And God, we ask for your help to love these people. And some of these people have done wrong things to us. Some of these people have betrayed us. Some of these people have gossiped about us. Some of these people have caused us real pain. But God, because you love us, and because we are learning how to love you, we choose to forgive. And we ask you to free us from the chains of unforgiveness and from bitterness and from hurt. And God, we instead receive your healing. We receive your love in the name of Jesus.